God goes to great lengths to rescue lost and hurting people. That's what the story is all about. The story of the Bible. God's great love affair with humanity. Good morning, Cornerstone. We are in chapter 29 of the story. And so I just hope that uh, you have read chapter 29 or you're in the book of Acts reading about Paul's missionary journeys. And so uh, we're talking about journey today and we're on a new journey. This is a place we've never been before. Uh, And we are going to experience things that we haven't ever experienced before. And uh, we're going to learn things about the Lord and about about ourselves uh, that are going to be new. Uh, Several years ago, my wife and I took a journey that we'd never been on. We hiked the Appalachian Trail, and uh, we learned a lot about ourselves. We learned a lot about uh, what it means to carry a 40-pound pack up a 3,000-foot mountainside and not being ready for it. We learned that we should have uh, not carried so much. We carried way too much, but uh, we were ready. We were ready for living on the trail, but uh, we also learned that you shouldn't bring hot coffee into the tent at night because when you spill it, it gets everywhere, and that was a difficult thing. Uh, We learned that um, people come from all over the world to experience the agony that we were experiencing, taking this uh, 2,000-mile journey that we did 10 miles of. Uh, That's all we got done, but uh, but anyway, uh, we learned that to get to the beautiful vista of the mountaintop, there's a difficult climb, and uh, it's a challenge. And so uh, we're on this journey together in life with Jesus, with one another, and we're going to learn things about ourselves. We're going to go places and experience things that we've never experienced before. Uh, we read this in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, until the ends of the earth. And that's exactly what we see unfold in the book of Acts. The disciples begin a journey, and it takes them to the ends of the earth, sharing the gospel. Um, This is how it breaks down in the book of Acts, uh, chapters 1 through 7. Just as Jesus says, the gospel will begin in Jerusalem. And then in Acts chapters 8 through 12, the gospel spreads to Judea and Samaria. And then the gospel spreads from uh, uh, to the rest of the world through chapters 13 through 28. And so the apostle Paul will be the one who will spearhead the spreading of the gospel uh, to the to the far reaches of the Roman Empire and then maybe even beyond through his disciples. And so. Uh, Throughout this story, we've seen God use unlikely people to do uh, extraordinary things facing insurmountable odds. And this is no different than many of the stories we've already read about in Scripture. That the most unlikely person, Paul, who was once called Saul, he was a persecutor of Christians. He becomes the very one who will write 13 books of the 27 books in the New Testament. 
Uh, he's the one who will plant at least 10 churches in three missionary journeys throughout the Roman Empire. And so uh, this Paul uh, becomes uh, one of the most unlikely heroes uh, of Christ's kingdom. Uh, and Paul was so brilliant. He was so deeply trained in the law that when he began to convince people of the Messiah, they couldn't refute his logic because he was so well prepared. Um, and, and we read in the book of Acts that uh, when he makes his way to Jerusalem, we read that Barnabas is with him. This is Acts 13, verses 2 through 3. One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work which I have called them. And so, uh, for, uh, so after more fasting and prayer, the men laid hands on them and they sent them on their way. So after Paul's conversion, he goes to Jerusalem, and there the leaders of the church recognize his talents, that uh, he's uh, a brilliant orator, he's, he's commit, completely committed to this journey with Christ, and that he's been appointed by Christ himself to be the apostle to the Gentiles. And so these first Christians, they lay hands on, and that they're sending him out, and after uh, prayer, they send out their very best to journey to carry the gospel to the most unchurched people in the world, which was the Roman Empire. And so uh, Paul and Barnabas begin their first missionary journey, and it starts in Antioch. So after they travel Jerusalem, they go to Antioch, and you see on this map his first journey. Uh, they travel first to Cyprus. This is actually the home of Barnabas. And there on Cyprus, they'll make a couple visits in the synagogues. Um, they go to the town of Paphros, and Paul is teaching a Roman governor there. Uh, his, he's he's uh, uh, appointed by the Roman Empire to govern, the, to govern that, that area, that, that island of Cyprus. And Paul's trying to convince him to become a believer, which he does. But there's another person in that audience, and his name is Bar-Jesus, or Elias. And Elimus is trying to convince the governor not to believe in Jesus. Uh, he's actually a Jewish sorcerer. So I'm not sure what all kinds of things that he did, but one thing he was trying to do was stop this Roman governor from believing in Christ, whom Paul is trying to convince. Paul has had enough of it. He strikes this man blind. One-third of the miracles in the book of Acts are miracles of destruction, and so uh, this man is struck blind, and, uh, uh, and so he's, he, he's, he gets quiet after that. Uh, the governor becomes a believer, and then uh, Paul and Barnabas continue their journey. They get on a boat. They head from Cyprus up to Perga. And uh, when they arrive there, as Paul's tradition was, he would go to the synagogue first. He would try to convince the Jews of Jesus, uh, and he is the Messiah, and then he would begin to talk to Gentiles as well. Um, while he's in that particular city, uh, many believe, but uh, he, he begins to uh, receive some, some uh, uh, people who are in opposition to him, and so Paul and Barnabas leave Perga. They begin this long journey to Pisidian of Antioch. It's a hundred-mile difficult hike, and when they arrive there, um, again, kind of the same reaction some of the Jews believe, other Gentiles believe. Uh, a mob rises up in opposition to this. Uh, influential religious women and men of that city, religious by meaning they're not Christians, 
they're worshiping other gods and they don't like Paul coming in and convincing other people that Jesus is the only God and that they are worshiping false gods and these idols. So they uh, drum up this big mob and drive them out of town. It seems to be like how Paul uh, often leaves town is uh, a mob is, is, is running him out. Uh, they head uh, on their front to Iconium and then to Lystra. When Paul gets to Lystra, he, he has a dynamic effect in that town, uh, so dynamic that uh, a big mob uh, drags him out of the city and they stone him to death. And, and so this, this, this Paul, like, he's, he's, he's so dedicated to, to this mission. And uh, after they leave him for dead, Paul is resurrected by the Lord, I think he is, and he gets up, and you know what he does? He continues on his journey. He heads from there to Derby, and after he's there for a while, again, uh, there's opposition, and then Paul and Barnabas begin their trek back home by retracing their steps through all these cities, strengthening the churches that they had planted, encouraging the believers in each one of those places. Now, in Paul's missionary journeys, he completes over 13,000 airline miles of travel. He goes through all kinds of difficulties, walks on roads that are known to have bandits and robbers. He, he experiences all types of difficult things. And so here's, here's what I want to tell you. Our, our journey with Christ requires commitment. There's one word, there's a number of words that describe us as believers in the Bible, but one is sojourner. It's a person on a journey. And anyone who's on a journey has to be committed to, to the path. Like, you can't give up. You've you got to keep working through these difficult things uh, no matter what you face. It's, uh, it, whether it's a virus or whether it's financial difficulty or whether it's discouragement or depression or or physical problems, we have to commit and then sometimes even recommit to the journey we are on. God is in us. He is with us. And so when Christians go through difficult things, sometimes they think God is not near me or God is not present. But the difficulty does not, the circumstances don't declare what's the truth about God. The truth about God is that He is right there. He's not giving up. And so uh, when we study the journeys of Paul and, and, the, and what the early church goes through, we find out they face immense trials. What Paul did when he left Lystra, he got up after being stoned, he continued on that journey. Paul talks about, in detail, some of his experiences. We read about this in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 through 27. Paul says, He'd been put into prison more often. He'd been whipped many times without number. He faced death again and again. Five different times, the Jewish leaders gave him 39 lashes. Can you imagine? Three times, he says, I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times, I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as the Gentiles. I faced the danger in cities and in deserts and on seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I've worked hard and long and during many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty and have gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep warm. 
Paul was on a very rough journey and he remained committed. And we should, you know, just take note of that, that his 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 dedication to this cause is what kept pulling him along. And, and so uh, when you think about people who are faithful to God, when you think about people who do do much for the Lord, it's not because they have great resources or great talents. It's because they remain faithful. Show me a faithful believer and I'll show you someone whom God is doing much through. Sometimes people with the most talents or the most resources or even the most opportunities, because they're not committed, don't get much done. Because uh, they don't have the commitment to, to follow through on the task which God has called them to. Um, I love this video of this girl who is uh, skydiving. Um, she uh, steps out of the plane attached to her instructor. And as she's falling, I'm sure she has a number of emotions. Probably the first one is very terrifying. And then there's this moment of, of feeling uh, absolutely you know, uh, elated as she uh, realizes she's falling. But, but here's the thing. She would fall to her death if she detached herself from her instructor. She has to remain attached to her instructor. And so it, it's kind of like when you follow Christ. When, when you step out on faith, it's a little bit terrifying. It's not the easiest thing to do to commit to Jesus. And that first step out of the plane is difficult. But you always remain attached to your instructor. It's the only way to survive. It's really the only way to experience the things that God wants us to experience. And Jesus calls that the abundant life. And so I don't know what you're going through, but you must remain committed to Christ and stay attached to your instructor, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, just like Paul and Barnabas. And so our journey depends on us staying connected. Staying connected. We're in a time now where uh, social isolation and uh, you know, groups of uh, 10 or more are, have been banned in some places. Uh, and so we have, we have all this going on. So right now we're in a, a period of time where staying connected is a priority. And it, it brings so much encouragement. And we not only stay connected to the Lord, but staying connected to one another the best way we can with the ways that we can. Last Sunday as I was sick uh, in, uh, in my, my living room, I'm sitting there in my sweatpants with a book, uh, you know, reading. There's a knock on the door. And uh, it's, it's a law enforcement officer. And it was, it, it was one I knew. His name was Eric. And uh, he came to check on me. He was out making his rounds uh, as, as he does on his job. And he said, hey, just wanted to come by, check on my preacher. And we just chatted for a few minutes. He gave me some words of encouragement. And uh, it just meant so much to me. And so these are the kinds of things that we should think about as we move forward in this, in this kind of uncharted time uh, as a church that staying connected is so important. It, it may not always be a personal visit, but it, it, it could be a phone call, an email, uh, getting together on, on, on a Zoom meeting, whatever it might be. Staying connected through the website, uh, watching, watching uh, the sermons, uh, taking time to, to try and find connection points along the way. And so 
uh, it's just so important that we stay connected. And, uh, and it might feel like we're free-falling, but the truth of the matter is, as long as we stay connected to Christ, we're going to get through this. Um, Paul and Barnabas, on their second missionary journey, they're in this town called Philippi. Uh, it's a big city. Uh, they're going out one day to uh, worship and pray by a nearby river. Uh, as they leave town, there's a demon-possessed girl. And uh, she is chasing them down, declaring that they are servants of the Most High God. And Paul is not going to allow demons to uh, identify who he is or, or talk about him. So he casts this demon out of this girl. Uh, well, that's a good thing for her. But for her owners, because you see, she was enslaved by, by some men who were profiting off this demon's ability to uh, talk about unknown things. Uh, they're very angry at Paul, and so they form a mob. Here we go again. It's kind of the same thing when Paul comes to a town. There's usually a mob that forms, and they, uh, they, they beat them, and they're thrown into the deepest, darkest prison. And so we read about this in Acts 16, verses 22. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them to be stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into the prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure that they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon, clamped their feet to stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, and they were singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. So imagine this. Paul and Barnabas tossed in this deepest, darkest prison. It gets around midnight, and Paul turns to Silas. He says, hey, Silas, are you thinking what I'm thinking? And Silas says, yeah, midnight worship jam. And so they start singing, and then God shows up with an earthquake. It shakes the uh, prison. It shakes the jail, jail doors open. It shakes the chains off their feet. The jailer thinks he's going to be uh, 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 executed because he's, all the prisoners escaped. Paul reassures him no one's left. Paul leads him to Christ, and that jailer and his whole family are baptized into Christ on that very night and become followers of God. I mean... Here's the point. The journey produces joy regardless of the circumstances. Uh, the, we think our joy is based on everything being perfect and everything being in order around us. It's not true. Our joy is a gift from the Holy Spirit. We ask Him for it, and He provides it, and it, it, it comes to us regardless of the circumstances that we're experiencing so Paul had learned to develop patience and Paul had learned to develop commitment and Paul had developed a courage and a deep commitment and a reliance upon God because Paul was traveling with his Jesus. Paul was, was on this journey, not alone, never alone. He had companions like Silas. He had companions like Barnabas. But Paul is on this journey and he's, he's with Jesus. So here's what I'm trying to say. Our journey is not just about the destination. The destination for us, we know, is heaven, right? But it's also about our transformation. We're, we're thinking that uh, about the destination as our, as our priority. But God's first priority is our transformation. And a lot changes when we stay on the journey. We learn things about ourselves. We learn things about God. And so staying committed will find joy in 
maybe the worst of circumstances. We'll, we'll learn what it means to be generous when we're suffering. We'll learn what it means to, to reach out to people when we feel isolated. Uh, and this is what Paul does along in his journey. He does extraordinary things facing insurmountable odds. And he's the most unlikely character to do it. Um, <clears throat> Paul was traveling, you see, with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is with us and in us on this journey. We know from Acts 2.38, all those who repent, change their way of thinking about life, start thinking the way that Jesus has taught us, and they repent of their sins. Okay, you turn from what's destroying you, turn from what gives you life. You're baptized into Christ. We know that we're not only receive forgiveness of sins, but the indwelling gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is talked about right in the beginning of the Bible with creation. The Holy Spirit is, is bringing about creation's form and, 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 and brooding over the earth, bringing about its, its, its uh, manifestation. The Holy Spirit is talked about in the Old Testament of coming upon judges like Samson or prophets like Elijah. But in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is mentioned 57 times. An appropriate title of the book of Acts would be the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because here we see the Holy Spirit uh, working um, incredible things. And so uh, the, the Holy Spirit is, in the Greek is, re is referred to as the pneumos, or the, or the wind, or the breath, or the Spirit of God. It's the invisibleness of God, but yet it's, it's all God. And so we, just like we can't see the wind, we can see the effects of the wind. And, and in the New Testament, we find out that the Holy Spirit, He speaks. The Holy Spirit, He leads. The Holy Spirit, He guides. He, he forbids. He teaches. He decides. He comforts. He grieves. This is so important. This is what I want you to, to really sit on and dwell on in, in this time of, of teaching and learning. Before Jesus leaves his friends and returns to the Father in heaven, he says this. This is John 14, 16 through 17. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now. So this word another that Jesus uses, uh, there are two words in Greek for another. One is heteros. So the word heteros in Greek means another of similar kind. Uh, you know, it's like uh, here's a green bean and here's a lima bean. They're of similar kind. They're in that same family. They're different, but they're of similar kind. That's not the word Jesus uses. The word Jesus uses in the Greek is allos. And so he says, I give you an allos, an another. And that word means another of exactly the same kind. So Jesus says, I'm not giving you uh, something like me. I'm giving you me. You, this, I, I have to go away so that I can come and live in you. I'm no longer just the one sitting at the table. I'm the one with you wherever you go. And so uh, this is what Jesus promises us, that He's giving us the wind of God, the breath of God, the air of God to live. In the book entitled Into Thin Air by John Crocker, he writes about the hazardous climb up Mount Everest. 
And there's this uh, ex- expedition leader. His name is Andy Harris. And he led a group up to the top. And he stayed there a little bit too long. And on his descent, uh, he began to recognize he was getting delirious. He needed oxygen. He radios back to base camp. Base camp has assured him that uh, they have left full oxygen tanks just, as, uh, just off the descent of the peak. When he arrives at the tanks, he, he radios back and he says, they're empty. And they assured him, they are full. Uh, but they, base camp realizes that he has become delirious. And what he thinks is empty is actually full of exactly what he needs. He, he's not thinking clear. And so uh, he's confused and he wouldn't listen. We have what we need right in front of us for any circumstance on the journey that we are on with Christ. The Holy Spirit is the oxygen we must have. And, and we have to access that. The way we access that, access that is through reading Scripture, through worshiping God, through through uh, taking times of, uh, of meditation in the Lord, of, 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 of thinking about how God is leading us. It, it's a Christian experience. And the Holy Spirit comes to us if we ask Him uh, for what we need, if, if we respond to Him by faith. He is there. He is right in front of us giving us what we need. We read this in Galatians. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. We are trying to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. He is leading. He is guiding. He is encouraging. Uh, He's helping us make decisions. He's helping us face uncharted times like we're experiencing right now as a church. And along this difficult journey, we need to ask and receive. We need to search for a daily filling of the Holy Spirit. This is what's going to get us through. Uh, it's not going to be uh, necessarily that the circumstances around us all become exactly like they want, like we want them. It's it's really because the Holy Spirit is going to empower us as travelers to complete this journey, and in this journey, we're going to learn about ourselves more. Uh, we're going to learn things. Uh, we're going to become a better church through this. Uh, through this experience of, uh, of this virus and how, we're, how we have to respond and adapt. We're going to learn things about who we are. We're going to learn things about who, uh, who Christ is in us. And these difficulties will allow us to lean in harder on Jesus. As circumstances change, we lean into the one who never changes. And that is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for for providing what we need that's right in front of us. As we hold our Bibles, as we hold our iPads or our phones and watching this, Father, we know that you're using all of these things to fill us again. So, Lord, help us to be filled with the Spirit, to know that uh, you are right there with us, giving us what we need. I pray that. Thank you for joining us. You can find us on the web at cornerstonechatham.org.